Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Uh, it's always great to, uh, uh, as a pastor, I think that when the Lord does tons of work before you even get up here and have to preach, it's, it makes it a little bit easier to get up here and to preach. So it's, uh, let's just give a round of applause to the Lord, you know, for showing up and doing it before anybody else had to, you know. Well, this morning, I would like to start off by telling you about this lady, and her name is Edith, all right? Now, most of you know that my wife, she works at a a retirement community, and it just so happens that this lady, Edith, uh, I I changed her name, okay? I don't know how that disclaimer goes, but I changed the lady's name, all right? Her name isn't really Edith, but what we're calling her today, all right? So it just happens that this Edith comes in to check out the place, and Megan ended up being kind of the tour guide and taking her around and showing her uh, the whole uh, facility and stuff like that. And um, Megan has a wonderful um, way of just getting uh, information from people about their lives, about uh, how they lived, what they did um, growing up as kids, um, their family, kids, the kids that they had, um, their marriage, all this stuff. So they're walking around and they are talking all about this. Edith also told Megan that... um, she just had a, a wonderful life she, as she was growing up. Um, she was very blessed. She got to travel a lot. Um, she has some amazing kids, and these kids are um, all grown up, of course, now, and they are living all over the United States and doing wonderful things. Uh, Edith also told Megan that she had experienced some hard times in her life as well, but she learned some pretty amazing things throughout these hard times. Some of the hard times she had to deal with was the passing of her husbands. And yeah, husbands. And when Megan uh, heard that, uh, it prompted something inside of her to ask Edith a little more about her, her marriages, like these husbands that she had. And Megan had questions. And again, if you know Megan, she is just like, she can drill you with a million questions. Like, how do you know? Why, why, why do you ask these things? But she does, and she, she does a good job at it, all right? Uh, she wanted to know, you know, how many husbands have you had? Where did they work? What did they do? Uh, and what did they pass away from? And Edith, very kindly, and sweet, uh, she was such a sweet, kind lady, and she told Megan about uh, her four husbands, all right? And uh, she said her first husband was a banker. He worked at a really high-end bank. He was a great man, kind man, loving man. Um, He was a hard worker, but he was a pretty serious guy most of the time. All right. He was fair in all his dealings. He, he ended up um, going through the ranks at the bank and ending with a high, high position and really set Edith uh, up for life, money-wise. She was okay for the rest of her life um, after he passed away. Then uh, she went on there and she said that her, her, her second marriage was totally opposite. And she actually married a ringmaster for like one of the most prestigious uh, circuses around. You can laugh at that. It's okay. Edith is okay with that. All right. Uh, and, and I knew you'd love that, Brad. Married a ringmaster. All right. And he was, again, total opposite of um, the first husband. He was very silly, uh, very fun. They had tons of fun together. They uh, laughed a lot together. Her life was so full of laughter with this man. Um, But then after he passed away, she ended up marrying a pastor. 
and he was a very caring guy. Uh, he cared for his family. He cared for his congregation. Really, anybody that would come into his office or into his church, he just cared for. And he had a very, very loving heart. And they loved each other so much. And that marriage was very special to her, she said. Then Edith said her last husband was a funeral director. And again, I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> Ringmaster, okay. Funeral director, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But a funeral director, and again, very tender-hearted uh, man. He was very compassionate and a great listener. After Edith got done telling Megan about her four husbands, Megan went on to ask uh, the questions that we all want to know. She asked her, how in the world did you end up with four husbands that were completely different? I mean, you went from a high-end banker to a ringmaster to a pastor and then a funeral director. And Edith, being the sweet old lady that she is, looked at Megan with very tender and just kind eyes and said, well, Megan, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to, come on, go, yeah, there you go. Good job, everybody. Good job. Now, obviously, that was not a true story, okay? That was not a true story, but I told that story for a reason. Uh, how many were into that story? I mean, John Tonzi's still awake, so I know that people were into that story. Nobody has fallen asleep yet. You were listening, and you were listening very intently to that story. Why is that? Why do people's story hold our attention? In fact, we are willing to pay for people's stories. We buy books to read about people's stories. We uh, pay for documentaries that we can watch on TV about people's stories. We'll sit in a congregation and listen very intently to a fake story because you thought it was a real story. You know, why is that? The reason that happens, I believe, is because there, are, there is power in people's stories. All right, there is power in your story. It's not just uh, powerful for other people to hear, though. It's powerful and very powerful for you as well. As you share your story, it's powerful for you. There is power in your story of how God has brought you from death to life. In Revelations 12, 11, it says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Jesus has already done part of that. He shed his blood. He went to that cross. He died. He shed his blood. We sang about it today. So he has done his part. It's our turn. It's our turn to defeat the enemy. And how do we do that? The word of our testimony. Telling people our story. We do that by sharing our faith, which is the next core value that we're going to talk about today. Um, <clears throat> what I'd like to do now is I would actually like to show you some true stories, okay? Uh, so I want you to take a few minutes, and we're going to watch these, uh, these testimonies that we have. They won't be very long, but um, I asked a couple people, a few people to share their testimony. Again, it's true, all right? So don't, don't stay with me, all right? I'm done tricking you, all right? So here we go. Let's go ahead and watch these videos. Hi, I'm Megan. I'm 
I'm Hayden Till, and I never really knew who God was and what he could do for me and how he could change my life until I went to church because I never really found close with him like I am right now. But right as I was about to go into a very hard time in my life, I became friends with Maddie Jewett and Liv Courtney. And right as I met them, I knew it was all part of God's plan and his timing because they were the ones that introduced me to church and brought me here. And ever since I got in closer with God, I've been happier than ever and at the peak of my life. And if I haven't found God in my life, I'd never be where I am right now. Well, good morning. I uh, wanted to take a second just to share my story and how I came to Jesus with you today. So when I was in kindergarten, my parents moved across the street from a family. And uh, in this family, there was a boy who was my age. We went to the same school and uh, we just struck up conversation one day and then we, you know, ended up becoming best friends over the years. And so spent a lot of time at his house. He had a lot of brothers and sisters, a lot of craziness happened at his house and ended up spending a lot of time over there. And I spent a lot of, as I was spending time there. I mean, obviously his mom was around quite a bit. And um, I found out that she was a crazy Jesus person over the years. She talked about Jesus all of the time. And I grew up in a house where we really didn't go to church. Um, I knew maybe a little bit about God, uh, very little about Jesus. But man, this woman was just fanatical when it came to talking about the Lord. And so she would do things like get us videos like from the Christian bookstore and she would try to, you know, she was always trying to like talk to me about the Lord. And, you know, honestly, for most of my childhood, I wasn't really listening to it. <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. I wasn't in that place, um, but she never quit praying for me. And year after year and conversation after conversation, whether I listened to her or whether she, uh, she didn't know this, but we would kind of make fun of her behind her back <laughs> um, because she was so crazy. You know, she's just so vocal about her love for the Lord. And she would talk to anybody about Jesus. And, uh, but year after year of that, she continued to pray for me. She never stopped. She invited me to church on numerous occasions. And I just will never forget that. There was one particular uh, event at church that happened when I was in fifth grade. There was an evangelist that came and she invited me to church. And so that night uh, I went with my, my best, her, her son, my best friend, and then my other best friend from our neighborhood. The three of us went together that night. And when the evangelist gave the altar call that night the three of us went down and we became christians and to this day uh, we are all christians we're all involved in ministry and we're all serving the lord but the cool thing about that is even though the evangelist was the one who gave the message really i credit her uh, for bringing me to the lord because she's the one who plowed in prayer and she's the one who did the hard work and she's the one who just relentlessly talked to me about the gospel even when i didn't want to hear it so I appreciate her very much. And uh, anytime I think about, and I thank God for the people in my life that have made an impact, she's right at the top of that list. Hello, this morning I wanna share with you a little bit about my testimony and how I came to know Jesus because someone shared their story with me. So it wasn't like a traditional, I wasn't at church or in Sunday school or anything like that. I actually didn't grow up with a lot of faith or really religion in my life. Um, I grew up, my mom was Christian and my dad had been raised in a Muslim culture. so really no talk of Jesus, anything like that. And um, I think it's important a little bit about that background. Um, my husband, Scott, um, he did grow up in the church. And so he had some faith. And at that point, he wasn't really walking with Jesus. And so um, we had, we got married and we had moved to Indianola. And about a year later, <clears throat> I was working um, at a clinic here in town. And we had a 
um, patient come in and she, um, we started working together and through a couple different sessions, um, we just kind of grown a relationship and, you know, kind of, she had known that I just got married. We just moved to town. And um, one day we were sitting uh, together and she just said, you know, just kind of casually, she asked what church my husband and I went to. And I said, you know, kind of caught me off guard a little bit, but I said, well, we don't really, aren't really going to a church right now. And I may have lied even a little bit and said, but we're looking for a church, um, which wasn't a complete lie. My husband had been, you know, Scott had been interested in getting back into church at some point. And so um, when I said that, that really kind of opened the door to her, um, kind of sharing some of her faith with us. And she told me about how she'd been coming to this church on um, First Assembly. And um, it was a great church. And I really didn't know any other churches in town. Um, but we started coming um, to the church. She had invited us and just said she had told me about a message that the pastor, the lead pastor, who was Pastor Barry at the time, um, had preached about and really just said that he had challenged the congregation. And she really kind of felt like she was being challenged to be more bold in her faith. And so she said, I want to be bold in my faith and I want to invite you to church. And so I said, yes, um, I would go and I would meet her. And so I went home and told Scott and he was super excited um, about it. Um, we kind of you know, Googled it and looked it up online. And um, I didn't really know a lot about um, Pentecostals. I didn't really know a lot about church at all. And so we came um, and we came, I think the next Sunday, I think the, the, the Sunday closest to that, we weren't able to make it, but I met her in the foyer and she introduced me to some people and we sat down and uh, we were instantly hooked um, from then on out. And I just think back of all the things kind of going on in my life at that point and kind of leading up to where we are now um, in our faith and our walk with Jesus. And I'm just so thankful um, that that person on that day chose to share their story with me about their faith. Whew. Hi, Tan again. Yeah, go ahead. Now we could see through those uh, testimonies just how God uh, encouraged the three people receiving. You know, they, they accepted the Lord. They're at church. They're doing great. Um, and they were encouraged to that. But I guarantee that the people who were who was sharing their faith were just as much encouraged by that, by them. You know, hey, they've worked. They've prayed. As Pastor Jared's testimony said, you know, she plowed that field and God came in and changed his life. And that encourages you. That encourages you. So um, the Bible says in Romans 1, 11 through 12, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is, that you and I may, may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Through those stories and that scripture in Romans, we see just how important not only to others, but for yourself it is to share your faith. Honestly, the benefits to sharing our faith helps others, but really it anchors us deeper into our faith. And that brings us to the question, how can sharing our faith anchor us in our faith? Sharing our faith anchors us by acting as trade winds for our testimony. By acting as trade winds for our testimony. A few weeks ago, Pastor Barry talked about trade winds and about the man who found them by reading his Bible. And there were uh, such things like trade winds, and his name was Matthew Murray. I don't know if you guys remember this guy, but he was a naval officer who actually broke his leg, um, not at sea, but through a freak stagecoach accident. And after he broke his leg, he couldn't return back to the sea. But while one day his family member was reading the Bible to him, and in Psalms 8.8, a passage really struck out to him, a little part of Psalm 8.8, uh, which says, The birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. 
And right there at the end of the scripture where it says the paths of the sea, it really stuck out to um, Matthew Murray. And he had his family member read it over and over and over again. And after hearing that, he determined in his heart that, you know what? If God said it, if it's in his word, then it must be true. And, and there are for sure pathways in the seas, and he was going to go find them. And through some studying and some research and through a team, he ends up finding these pathways, and they're called trade winds. Um, yet again, though, while Murray was reading the Bible and actually reading in Ecclesiastes 1.6, where it says, The winds blow to the south and turn to the north. Round and round it goes, every turning on its course. And it happened again where the scripture that just stuck out to him. And he determined that, you know, again, hey, if the Bible says it, then it has to be true. If the Bible says that the winds blow in a circular uh, pattern, then it does. So with some investigation, he found out all about jet streams as well. So here was a guy who chose to read the Bible, believe it, and use it to help science out. And, and we now have trade winds and jet streams, and we still use them today. Trade winds are winds that reliably blow east to west, just north and south of the equator. The winds help ships travel west, and they can also steer storms uh, away. All right. Sailors have used these winds for centuries. They would use these trade winds to shorten a sea journey when they were sailing. They would jump in these trade winds and it would get them to their destination quicker. These winds would help keep sailors on the correct route as well and keep them honest with the way they were traveling. Then we have, uh, when we have an experience with Christ and we share our faith with others, it can help us to keep the correct way with Christ. We can see this uh, is true in Acts 9, which is Saul's conversion to Paul on the road to Damascus. Now, you, uh, I want you to go home and read that whole, uh, that whole story. I'm not going to get into it all, but I would like to point out a couple highlights from uh, his conversion. So in Acts 9, 4, it says, He fell to the ground and heard a voice to him, him Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? We see here that Saul had an experience with the living God on this trip. It was just an experience that he couldn't shrug off. Uh, this, this experience changed his life forever. This didn't happen and then Saul be like, oh, that was a fluke. You know, whatever, I'm going to keep going and killing Christians because that's what Saul was doing. No, he fell to the ground. He was blinded, blinded for three days and it changed him forever. And that experience made him different. The experience didn't just stop there. And in fact, in Acts 9, 17, his journey continued when it says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul's experience was amazing and it changed him forever. And he, and he needed to and wanted to tell everybody about what the Lord had done for him in that experience. We see that in Acts 19, 9, 20. It shows us the very next thing Saul did when he gained enough strength. All right, it says, At once he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. Saul didn't wait until uh, he had, he, he was, his name was completely cleared. Saul didn't wait until he had all the knowledge in the world to go out and tell of this experience. He didn't wait for somebody to come up to him and say, Okay, Saul. It's your turn. All right, you're ready. You can go ahead. Why don't you feel free? Go tell what the Lord has done in your life. Go ahead and tell your story. No, once Saul had the strength, he got up 
and at once started telling people that Jesus is the Son of God. It's like Saul hit his trade wind, and he knew what he was supposed to do next. And because he was obedient to the Lord, he was sharing his faith, and sharing his faith, this is what happens. And in Acts 9, 22, it says, Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. We serve that same God, and that same power that Saul had is in us. And when we share our faith and we share the experience that we've had with Christ, it's like us jumping into that trade wind and getting more and more powerful in him. And as we share our faith more and more with people, then the more and more we'll want to live it out. Let me try to help you understand this. Um, Has anybody ever said something to a friend or a spouse just to kind of keep you more accountable or so you actually complete what you said you're going to do so you tell somebody else? Anybody ever done that? Okay, a few people. I have. Uh, I, I know I have. Uh, so last year I was getting ready to run a marathon and I ended up getting a few people, a few friends inside a text message uh, group so we could text about our running. And I would do that and I would text like my whole schedule. Like, hey, this week I'm going to go running on Tuesday and Thursday and I'll put on the miles. I'm going to be running five or maybe ten, um, one and a half. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I would just put, <laughs> put that out there uh, for them. And the reason I would do that, uh, because I knew that at times during that week, there was going to be times where I didn't want to run. There's going to be times where uh, it maybe was cold or hot or I just was lazy, whatever. But I'd already told them my running schedule. So it, it was like that built-in accountability for me to help me keep going. It helped me stick with it and do what I said I was going to do. Sometimes we need that with our faith. And when we share our faith with others, it's that built-in accountability for us. Because there will be days when following Christ will be hard. There will be days where the storms of this life will feel unbearable. But if we share our faith with others, we get anchored into Christ more and it helps us stand strong with God. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Proverbs 27.17 As iron sharpens iron, no one person sharpens another. So, one person. So, that's very much. Uh, as we share our faith and jump into those trade winds, it not only benefits others, but it benefits us. It can build you up, sharpen you, and again, anchor you to Christ. Sharing your faith with others will keep you heading the right way and, and that Christ is leading you. It also encourages you because it reminds you of all that God has done for you in your life. Which brings me to my second point. That sharing our faith anchors us by reminding us what he has done for us. I want to illustrate this to you by taking you back uh, a couple weeks ago uh, and, and reminding you of something that happened. All right, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but I think it was like two weeks ago. My time might be just a little off, but forgive me. We're in church, okay? We shall forgive. No, but uh, like two weeks ago, we had a great big snowstorm. You guys remember that snowstorm? Yeah? All right. Uh, I think it was in the span of a two, three, four days. We ended up getting like 20 inches or so, maybe a little more. Um, but we got a lot of snow all at once. Now, I'm not sure if you remember that or not, but I do because I'm not really a snow guy, especially after Christmas. All right? It can snow before and on, but after that, 
let's get back up to 70, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> but it was the first snow, so I was okay. I was all right with it, all right? But we get this big snowstorm, then it got really cold, and that's miserable. And then after that, it kind of started to melt. Now, when it started to melt, it, it started to look really ugly, all right? I just, when snow melts like it is right now, it turns dirty and gross and all the sand and rocks and everything in it, and it just looks disgusting. And that's what started to happen. But then something awesome happens. Uh, there was a night, we all go to bed, it's dirty, it's gross outside, but then it snows like another two inches, all right? And why I say that is awesome is because that two inches just covered all of that gross, nasty snow, and it was just beautiful. It looked like diamonds all over the, all over the ground. The trees that you know, don't have any leaves and kind of look ugly looked beautiful at this time. And uh, everything just looked so fresh and clean because of that white snow that covered it. And that fresh snow is a reminder of what Jesus does for us. When we share our faith, it reminds us what Jesus did for us on that cross. It reminds us of what Isaiah 118 says when it says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white, as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Or Psalm 103, 12, that says, As far as the east is from the west, as far as he removes our transgressions from us. It also reminds us of what Micah 7, 19 says when it says, You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our, hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And when I read that scripture about God uh, hurling our iniquities into the depths of the sea, it reminds me of my honeymoon. Why does it remind me of my honeymoon? Because I went on a cruise for, uh, Megan and I went on a cruise for our honeymoon. How many have ever been on a cruise before? All right, so I might get a little bit of flack from this, but um, I actually hate cruises. Just hate them, all right? Uh, like, like I, don't, I can handle snow. I don't mind snow. Yeah, I don't like it that much, but yeah, I hate cruises, okay? I just don't like them, all right? Now, I don't just hate the, cruise, the cruises because on this particular cruise, Megan got super sick, had to take Dramamine and slept the whole dang thing. And here I was watching Wheel of Fortune all by myself on this cruise on a little tiny TV. That's not why I hate cruises. I don't even hate them because I went on a small boat. I know that's what usually people that go on cruises are like, well, what kind, of, what kind of ship did you go on? It doesn't matter. I didn't like it. All right. It's not the boat's fault. The boat was great. The staff was great. Everything was great about the cruise. Um, but I hate cruises because I do not like being on the top deck, looking out, and seeing nothing but water. I don't like that, all right? It just, I don't know why. And I'm a good swimmer, but it doesn't matter. I don't like looking out into the ocean and seeing nothing but water. It, it kind of like, we're just going to go to that edge and we're, whoop. We're off. It's like looking at an infinity pool and thinking, you know, we're going to fall clean off of this, all right? I know we're not, but it scares me, okay? <laughs> and this scripture says that he will throw my iniquities into the depths of the sea, all right? I, don't, I, don't, I didn't do a lot of studying on the depths of the sea, but I'm going to tell you, it's deep, all right? <laughs> it's real deep, okay? Uh, that's a scientific proof from me to you. It's deep, all right? <laughs> Uh, but it says that he's going to throw our iniquities. He's going to take our transgressions. He's going to take our sin. And he throws them into the depths of the sea. 
It should help remind us that we don't have to live in our past sin. We don't have to live in our past mistakes because really, if God can turn them white as snow, if he can throw them into the depths of the sea, if God can throw them as far as the east is from the west, then why in the world do I need to sit around and hold on to them? Why in the world do I need to put them against myself? We don't have to do that. If we go back to Acts and we look at Saul's conversion again, we see just how he doesn't dwell on his past. In fact, even when people were conspiring to kill him, or when the disciples were even still afraid of him, he didn't think, oh, it's because of my past. Oh, it's because I'm a terrible guy. Oh man, I better not do anything. I don't deserve to tell people about the Lord. Saul didn't think that. He realized he was forgiven, he was changed, so he let the Lord do what the Lord does, and he went on obeying God and doing what he was supposed to do, and that was preaching the gospel, sharing his story. Acts 9, 28, it says, So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. That's what Saul did, speaking boldly in the, in the name of the Lord. His past didn't define him anymore. He didn't have to live there any longer, which gave him the strength to go around and share his faith and uh, uh, what the Lord had done in his life. I think we can look at Saul's life to help us understand that we don't need to remember our, we don't have to remember our past because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He threw it out. He got rid of it. He took our sins upon himself. He died. He shed his blood so that we can be free and not live with guilt. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. That's some good news. That's some good news, and that should anchor your faith. That should anchor your faith. That's that, that you don't have to walk around with your head down. You get to walk with your head up, and you have the right to share what the Lord has done in your life. And, you, and as you share your faith with people around, uh, around you, it should remind you of all that he has done for you, all that God has done for you. And it should spur you on to keep praying, to keep worshiping, to keep reading your word, and to keep sharing your faith. As you do that, the more confident you become, the more powerful uh, you saw that, that uh, Saul became, and, and you will become, the more anchored in your faith you are. Another way that sharing our faith anchors us is by showing us how we can cast our nets, how we can go out and tell other people about Christ. The Bible shows us how to cast our nets. Luke 5, 4 through 7 says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, you've worked hard all night. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat, both boats so full that they began to sink. Then in Luke 15, there are three parables that also show us how to cast our nets. Um, we're not going to read all of that, but you have the parable of the lost sheep and how the shepherd left the 99 to go find the one. You have the lady who lost her coin and she searched her whole house. She uh, lifted up everything, swept it all clean until she found that coin. And then you have uh, the prodigal son parable and how the son took his inheritance and wasted it away until he was so low that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. 
Then he decided, I better go back home. My father's servants live better than this. So he goes back home, and Luke 15, 24 says, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And in fact, in all of those parables, these people called their friends and called their families, and they had a party uh, because what was lost was now found. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this, You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. What I think we can learn from these scriptures is that we, all of us, need to be fisher of men. Everybody in here. It doesn't matter if you're on a platform speaking to thousands of people or if you are just at your house praying for and then you go to work and you talk to that one person. Or if you're at the grocery store and you talk to that one person. It does not matter. The command that we get from Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 is this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Meaning that we have the command, and now it's, it's time for us to be obedient and start throwing out our nets. I know that sometimes obeying this command and sharing your faith can be scary or can be hard. We might not know how people will respond when we share our story or when we share our faith. In this day and age, you don't know what people might do. But we need to do what the scripture says when it says in 2 Timothy 1.8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. All that I'm saying is the benefits of sharing your faith outweigh the downfall each and every time. We see that from scripture that, yeah, Paul had to deal with some suffering. He had to deal with some hard times. He had to deal with going to prison. But he was still telling Timothy, hey, yeah, we're going to have some hard times, but don't be ashamed of the gospel. Keep sharing your faith. Don't stop. Don't be ashamed of the power you have received. I think back to those three stories um, that we heard, those three testimonies that we heard earlier, the true ones, all right, uh, about the people who threw their nets out. It was done in very different ways. But the ripple effect that has come from the four people that showed uh, or that shared their testimony uh, and being obedient to God is huge. I mean, you have a young lady who was having a very difficult time in her life. Two friends shared their faith with her. She starts coming to church. She's growing in church. She barely misses a Wednesday or a Sunday. God's moving in her life because two young ladies were willing to share their faith. That's amazing. Uh, you have another lady who is an amazing youth leader for 10 years now. She, uh, countless number of young ladies have benefited from her knowing Christ. She's helped me out great um, through those 10 years. And who knows what else? There's so much that she has done. Because there was a lady who kind of heard a sermon like this and was bold one day and shared her faith. That's pretty awesome. You have another uh, guy who talked way too long on that video who's been... <laughs> who's been in full-time ministry for 24 years. Countless numbers of, number of lives have been changed because of his ministry. He's helped me out <laughs> so much in my ministry. I mean, all because he had a friend 
who had a crazy mom who wouldn't shut up about Jesus and kept inviting him and kept praying for him until he finally was like, all right, we'll go. (laughs) And God did the rest from there. In all three of these stories, there was a person who was bold enough to be obedient and throw out their net. Let me tell you, when you are obedient and you choose to throw out your net, it will anchor your faith. Because there is nothing better than seeing somebody come to know Christ and knowing that all of heaven is rejoicing because they've made that decision. God's job was to send his one and only son to die on the cross for the sins of the world and to change people's hearts. Our job is to throw out the net. Our job is to be fisher of men. That's what he's called us to do. And when we do that, then we will be more anchored to him than ever before. So my challenge for you this morning is that you get yourself anchored to him by sharing your faith. Romans 10, 14 says this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And they can And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? I think those are questions that we need to ask ourselves daily. There are people out there that need to call on the name of the Lord, but they don't believe yet. And they don't believe because they have not heard. And why have they not heard? Because there's people that have the good news that refuse to tell others. We can't do that. We need to tell people. It's time for us to not be ashamed of the gospel. We should not be ashamed of our story, of our testimony, what God has done in our life. We have the good news that others need to hear. And each one of us has a story of what Jesus has done for us. Let's go and tell everybody that story. I loved, uh, our church has a podcast. I think you all should go listen to. It's called the Connect Podcast. But on that podcast, uh, it was a while ago, but uh, Joel asked Tiffany Money, you know, hey, will you tell about your testimony? And very quickly, she says, which one? Which testimony? God is constantly doing things in our lives. He's always changing our lives. And it's time that we need to share his good news uh, and his goodness with those around us. Now, if you're nervous or, sc- or you're scared to tell your testimony, here's something that I encourage the youth to do. And I want to encourage you guys with this too. Today, if you, if you don't know your testimony or you're scared to tell your testimony or whatever, go home, grab an actual pen and an actual pad of paper and write it down. Write down what God has done for you. Physically, write it down. Write out what God has done in your life and how he has brought you from death to light. Writing it out will help you organize your thoughts. It'll help you organize your life. I don't know if anybody's ever done this, but you're telling your your story and all of a sudden you get your timeline all mixed up and you're like, wait, I don't think I was in high school when I did that or I might have done that when I was in, you know, whatever. It helps you to organize that all out. And read it and memorize it and and tell people about it. Practice if you have to. Grab somebody in your house and practice your testimony. It will help you put into words all that God has done for you. Then I want you to pray and ask God, who is somebody that needs to hear your story? Who in your life, who in this world needs to hear your testimony? Then put this core value into motion and go and share your faith. Do something with it. Don't just hold on to it. Don't just say, well, that's a good story. God really did great things in my life. 
No, go tell somebody about it. Not only will it help the other person that you're sharing your faith with, but it will help you and it will anchor you in your, in your faith. You'll hit that trade win and you will just start sailing. It will feel great. So let's go from here and obey what Jesus had said in Matthew 28, 19, when he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Start by telling people your story of how you came from death to life in Jesus Christ, because we all have that. We all have that. Let's pray. We can all stand up and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for what you've done in our lives, God, how you have brought us from death to life, God, how you have um, directed our lives, Lord. And I just pray, God, that we will be people who share our faith with people, God, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of you, Lord, that we would be willing to go out and we would be willing to share our stories with others, God. And as we do that, Lord, it will anchor us. It will anchor us to you, God. And Lord, I just ask that you would just move in a mighty way in this church, that you'd move in a mighty way in each and everybody's life, God, that we would just um, realize that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, God, and help us to go forth from here, Lord, and be bold in our faith and be bold uh, in, in how we talk to people, God, because it's not about us, it's about you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.